it's our final Sunday of 2020. And uh, if you had to encapsulate this past year in a phrase, uh, what might it be? Um, I found a few that I thought were kind of interesting um, from uh, my readings. I read an article from The Atlantic. So good riddance 2020. A couple of others from the Twitterverse. Um, 2020 needs to pull over and just let me out. I'll walk. And the first rule of 2021, don't talk about 2020. Pretty good, right? Um, actually, for, for me, the current moment, at the current moment, uh, the apt phrase that I, is one I shared a couple of weeks ago, uh, borrowed from uh, Pastor uh, Terry uh, um, from the BCNY. Pastor Terry was our speaker last week, right? And um, on the BCN, BCNY website, they have a, a video that they entitled, Thank God We've Made It uh, This Far. We've Made It This Far. Thank God we survived for the most part. Thank God for the U.S. of A. is still standing for now. Thank God our church uh, made it through. Uh, probably not unscathed, but better than some. Uh, thank God I can still share God's word uh, with you, uh, God's people. Uh, for, the first, uh, for the last Sunday message of the year, I thought we could uh, revisit our uh, key verses for 2020. Um, which I spoke on throughout the month of January, Philippians uh, 3, 12 through 16. Actually, I thought it might be kind of semi-fun uh, and maybe helpful to review the sermon themes uh, of the entire year that we covered in the last 12 months or so. And here they are. So in January, we covered pressing on um, through Philippians. And then looked at Joshua's strength and courage. And similarly, the early church, how they responded, how they acted boldly, how they made, they were threatened by the religious establishment, but they threatened with their faith and prayer. Uh, and then on the Easter month, we did resurrection. And then uh, one of my favorite ones, I, if I recall, was the Elijah narratives uh, there about the ups and downs that he experienced uh, serving God. Then we had various speakers in June. And then in July, we went to John 21, right? Uh, we looked at how after the death of Jesus uh, through the resurrection, how Jesus helped them recover. And uh, I think our, our uh, country was hoping for some sort of, you know, recovery. I know the cases were pretty low in, in uh, or starting to go down in New York. And then in August, we looked at Isaiah chapter 40, a great chapter about God's support of us. And then uh, a number of you have mentioned that motivation was helpful through John 2. Right? We looked at the, um, the, the two scenes of the wedding at the Cana, wedding in Cana and also the clearing of the temple. And then a longer uh, uh, coverage was uh, in October, November uh, from Habakkuk. We did the whole whole book, right? And um, it was tough, <laughs> if I recall. Um, but um, I finally came to understand some verses that I've never really kind of grasped before. And 
So I, I, I benefited from it. And then we just finished uh, Reliance, right? Reliance on God through the tragic, uh, through the, the life of Asa, how he both relied on God and didn't rely on God. Okay, I think you, you see a number of COVID-related themes. Um, and with these as a backdrop, I thought it might be nice to conclude the year to see how closely connected the key verses from Philippians were with what transpired. And I didn't speak on the passage regularly thereafter, uh, but I hope that, uh, I, I feel that the key verses provided strength and nourishment during our very trying year. I think there are many times during um, the quarantine and then reduction of infection rates and then quarantine again. And now we're, um, you know, kind of in a, in a spike, like a prolonged spike, that uh, we're tempted to kind of give up the ghost, uh, so to speak. Um, it's really hard to see this year through with all of the hardship, all of the strife and the general uh, miasma. Uh, permit me to um, also look back on the four messages that I gave on uh, Philippians 3 uh, from the first part of the year. So these were the titles. I tried to be a little cute, <laughs> perfectly obtaining, forgetfully straining, uh, heavenly pressing, and maturely clarifying. So kind of took a section each and uh, kind of combined both. Uh, these are all words and ideas that I found in the text. And um, I had us memorize. The, the verses as well. So hopefully um, those were beneficial. And I thought contemplating the verses one more time this afternoon could give us comfort and encouragement. Uh, so today's, uh, I tell this message of last, of 2020, controlling the press, controlling the press. I know it sounds like a message about media censorship. Uh, and, and I know that, uh, I did think about all the crazy criticism concerning the, both the liberal and the conservative wings of the American press corps that have been uh, circulating over the years. But my emphasis for the sermon is rather on the idea um, of what we can control and what is beyond our control, what is uncontrollable. And my main point, uh, the one thing that I want us to, to have is that Actually, in my mind, the only thing that we can really control uh, is our desire, our effort, our commitment to continue pressing on towards God. And we have control over nothing else in the ultimate sense. If you look back on 2020, I think of all the years of my adult life, this was the one where I felt the least control in so many areas and aspects. And our movement was restricted, our food options, our gathering, and, and so much more. You know, I, I don't personally take issue, I didn't take an issue with the uh, restrictions on uh, what limitations we, we needed to flatten the curve. Right? I happen to believe that the first word of discipleship is actually deny yourself. Deny yourself for God, for the benefit of others. Uh, that being said, uh, the freedom of choice and the ability to make things happen or work towards a goal. I realize we take those things for granted. We really don't have much control at all. And I think that's what made this a year uh, so very hard. Many unknowns, many uncontrollables. Every year as, um, it brings its, its share of anxieties and things that 
we have no power over. But, you know, 2020 was a confluence of forces and events and movements that exceeded the ability of one, of an individual, a family, a community, a nation, and even the world really getting a handle on it. COVID was just a start. We dealt with uh, a, a wave of natural disasters that seem more numerous and more severe than usual. Wildfires and hurricanes, I believe, broke annual records. Uh, then the protests and counter-protests precipitated by the killings of George Floyd, uh, Breonna Taylor, and many others that roiled our nation and even impacted other countries. And then the swirling madness uh, of a particularly contentious, contentious election year slammed us, right? both leading up to, during, and in the aftermath. And we're still you know, kind of in the thicket, right? I don't think I need to argue much more that 2020 was a year where we realized uh, we were not in control. Having said that, uh, there are actually a couple of ways to take this reality. Like one would be to you know, rec recognize that only God is in control. Amen. Yeah? Living by faith, is a daily and momentary acknowledgement that even though I lack control, I can rest in the Lord who guides and determines what is beyond our capacity. That's a, a great lesson uh, that, that we can draw. But the angle I want to pursue today, right, uh, for today's message is that even if we feel powerless, even if we have no control about the outcomes uh, and the like uh, in our life, there's still something under our purview and under our responsibility. And that is that we control whether we want to press on or not. The perseverance is an act of the will and it cannot be taken away. Right? There are other things that, of course, that contribute to pressing on. Um, it, supporters, uh, access to resources, uh, examples, right? Though those can all contribute to uh, our willingness and our doggedness in pursuing after God. But in the main, I believe that it, it boils down to a decision, right? That we have to make. Uh, will I press on or will I give up? Will I press on or will I stay put? Will I maybe get stagnant? And I think this is actually a pretty wide-ranging, uh, there's a wide-ranging application for this admonition. When, even if you have nothing, you can still press on towards God. Even if the world is spiraling out of control, you and I can still choose to continue to press on. Right? This control choice of pressing on, it cannot be taken away from us. Your freedom, all your other freedoms, all my freedoms can be terribly restricted, but I can choose to continue to pursue God, to stay close to God, right? No matter what is being forced upon me. There's this uh, ancient uh, Greco-Roman philosophy called Stoicism, right? And, and, and these days we usually use the word Stoic to just mean kind of unemotional or apathetic, right? But it's actually a, a pretty well-developed kind, of kind of a way of ethics, actually, is, is, uh, is kind of how it's understood. More than just teachings, 
it emphasized constant practice. Okay? And, the, and it, the main point is that you use your rationality, you use your reason uh, to accept the moment. And you don't allow yourself to be controlled by the desire for pleasure or by the fear of pain. Right? So, you know, the Zeno, I think, was the main thinker uh, in this. And it, and it had a lot of influence, right? Now, from a Christian worldview, it's still a pagan philosophy. It's not a Christian perspective, but there's some overlap, right? And there's some great Christian thinkers who borrowed some of their, uh, some of those thoughts or kind of there was overlap uh, with it. Uh, and, and this is one of them, right? Human beings can assert an inner freedom in the face of an external world. Right? We can assert, we can hold on to, no matter what happens externally, we still have uh, choice. We still have that control. Limited as it is, we can control. And, and the way that I'm applying that, right? The way that I'm bringing it to us today is the most important in my mind thing to control is uh, our decision, our effort, our commitment to continue to press on uh towards God. Right? So again, specifically for the Christians, no matter what is happening, we can still follow after God. It could be a very dry season where none of our prayers are answered. It could be a time of bewilderment and doubt. It could feel like a time when nothing familiar is going the way you expect. But no matter what, the question that is always relevant is, will I continue to pursue God? Will I continue to hold on to my faith? Yeah. One of... Uh, my wife's Mona's favorite songs is from uh, you are God alone. Right. And one of the lyrics is, I like it too, right. In the good times and bad, you are on your throne and you are God alone. Yeah. No matter what, God is still God. Correct. So no matter what, we can continue to trust in that God in the good times and bad In the good times and bad. I can still, uh, press on. Indeed, some of the greatest heroes of faith uh, pressed on towards God, even when everything seemed to fight against them. Job was one of those stalwarts. He was in a prolonged period of not only suffering, but of spiritual darkness. God seemed silent and avoidant. His friends berated him, uh, telling him to confess his sins that he didn't actually commit so that they could explain like uh, cause and effect. Um, his whole family was destroyed, and even his wife told him to curse God and die. Yet, day after day, sore after sore, through doubt after doubt, Job persevered in looking to God. He held on to God okay, until God finally answered. I, I think if God hadn't answered, uh, Job would have went to his grave, continuing to press God, continuing to press on towards God. Job was rewarded for his persistence, but the principle right, still obtains. Uh, let me briefly point out three phrases from our Philippians text, which I found helpful to support this theme. So first, uh, Paul talks about in verse 15, a mature viewpoint. Right? All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. Right? And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. He talks about people who are mature, taking such a view of things, right? And if you don't have that view, 
if you're mature, God will eventually elucidate that truth to you. I don't know if we can ever figure out exactly what Paul meant. Like, what will God make clear? Uh, there's 101 opinions about that. But I want to say what maturity really teaches us is what I'm saying today. Maturity, as you get older, as you get more responsible, as you live life longer, as you get wiser, as you mature, what you realize is <laughs> there are, that I am not in control. No matter my brains, no matter my experiences, no matter my, my efforts, right, there are some things that uh, yeah, I have no control over. Right? Raising kids, you, you learn that from day, from day one, right? that you need help. You need God's help. You need a village. You need your family. Um, Ironically, it's taught the other way, that as you get older, you learn to control your environment, you control your direction, you control your emotions. But, you know, it's part of, of, of advancing, right, making progress. But I, I'm arguing that Paul says here, true maturity, real maturity, the people that really understand maturity, the mature, they understand that they don't have control over much of anything. And if even if you experience heretofore that you were able to do a lot of things your way, uh, a year like 2020 will disabuse you of all that too painfully. Yet, what can, we can take away, again, is that we can press on towards God. Right? The mature person, that's what we hold on to. I still can pursue God, right? Things may fall apart around me. Things may, you know, the world might be going crazy, but I'm going to stick uh, to the Lord. We keep going. We keep doing that no matter the external circumstances. And then in verse 12b, Paul mentions um, what I want to call Jesus's uh, initiating role in our striving towards God. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Right? Paul says he's, he's, he is pressing on to take hold. He That's him. That's his drive. But it actually was in response to Jesus taking hold of him first, right? Jesus took the initiative. Jesus enabled him. You know, Paul, he, the, the origin of the desire to follow after God is not even generated from within Paul, right? Christ took hold of him first. Christ enabled Paul to begin the journey of straining towards God. You know, without Christ, Paul would have chased after all the wrong things. And that's Paul's exact personal testimony, right? His religious pedigree, his professional ambition, his personal zeal. Uh, these all took him unwittingly to persecute the body of Jesus Christ. So without the intervention of Jesus on the road to Damascus, hell was where Paul was racing to. But because he was shown mercy, Paul now had the choice to focus on following Jesus Christ. And that's what he did, right? He did it wholeheartedly. All right. The last little textual point I want to make is found in verse 14. Uh, to me, it's the same idea as the Jesus Christ taking hold of me. And that's where Paul says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The word call, the idea call. For Paul, the pressing on was governed by the call of God upon his life. Even when everything was going wrong for Paul, 
He had the assurance that God was calling him. The route might be circuitous. The timing might be way too elongated. The people that journeyed with him might go off in different directions. But Paul would choose to continue because what drove him was God's sovereign choice, sovereign call upon him. God called him. And so Paul, even though it was hard, he kept going because he was responding to the call that God placed upon him. And that would not change. And that determined the choice that was made available to him every day to control whether he would press on or give up. Okay, so those are the, 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 the words and ideas and, and concepts that I drew uh, from this. Um, and I hope that you're, I think all of you experienced some form of pressing on in 2020. And I think 2021, we're all looking for something easier <laughs> something more sure, something more vaccinated in, in the largest sense of the word, but um, to the extent that we, we find that's the only thing we have left in our control, pressing on for God, I hope you will. Um, let me finish with an article uh, uh, from, from the New York Times that I read yesterday uh, about the elite marathoner, Sarah Hall. Uh, the article is entitled, um, she turned 2020 misery into a breakthrough. Okay. So uh, Sarah Hall is a, um, she'd been racing for maybe decades. Uh, this uh, year, uh, earlier in 2020, she failed to, or yeah, she failed to qualify for the Olympics. Right. And that's kind of like a, a marathoner's holy grail. You, know, you want to, say that you made the Olympics, right? Um, she turned 37. She had adopted four daughters in 2015 and pretty much everything was canceled, right? In 2020. So um, it looked like her career was kind of in the dumps that she wouldn't be going anywhere. Uh, she's married to a fellow marathoner named uh, Ryan, uh, her husband, Ryan Hall. And I think he's one of the fastest. So he's, he's a record-breaking American uh, marathoner. And so, you know, the question was, would she get another chance, right? And uh, so, you know, the article goes over her, you know, what she did in, in this year. What she did was she didn't give up, right? She adapted. We love to use the word pivot, right? She pivoted. Uh, she made a change. She made changes to her routine. Um, she couldn't. She couldn't run the Olympics, so she created a new goal: to be the fastest American woman to set a uh, American record right, for the marathon. And she almost got there. Last Sunday, there was a special race. A few uh, elite marathoners were uh, uh, staged in Arizona, and her uh, her finish time was the second fastest in American history for a woman, right? So she almost got her goal, but she didn't. But I think it's the resilience, right? The resilience that uh, is um, inspirational, right? Uh, it was built from pushing through years, even decades of setbacks, um, of how she uh, worked, right? And I, I put up a quote written by the author, you know, Lindsay Krauss on Sarah Hall. Yeah, through it all, she was always out there training, steadily, quietly, unglamorously. It was unclear 
whether the project would ever pay or the work would ever pay off. But 2020 is a perfect, is perfect for people who have learned how to be scrappy. Right now, the ability to grind is a superpower in itself. And Ms. Hall is used to striving without guarantees. I, li I like that line, right? Uh, the ability to grind is a superpower in itself. I think it's the secular version of what I'm saying today. That we can only control whether we want to press on towards God or not. Um, I'm sorry, can we put up the, the next slide, slide nine? This is uh, Sarah talking about herself. My whole career has been learning how to say, okay, I just missed out on what I wanted so badly. What opportunities do I still have? In the pandemic, it was the same. I had to think, I know what I can't do, but what is still on the table? It wound up leading to some of the best training uh, in my life. And she did, you know, she changed up her routine. She did like back-to-back uh, -back marathons, you know, much um, uh, that were closer in time than usual. Uh, when she, you know, when the lockdown started, she ran a half marathon on her treadmill, right? Then she ran it on a, on a deserted bike trail, just, just so many different things. She ran a London marathon. And then finally, right, she, um, she did the race in Arizona, the second best in American history. And, and this is the final quote that I don't have a slide for. The pandemic threw something out of me I didn't know I had. At times I felt sorry for myself, but if there's anything I learned this year, any opportunity is something to be grateful for. Take it while you can. And I feel like uh, you know, there are many reasons why we might want to stop pressing on. Uh, and, uh, you know, difficulties and things out of our control, that's strong. I really like what she said. I felt some, at times I felt sorry for myself. I think that can be a, a perseverance killer, right? Self-pity. Uh, but, you know, she's grateful. And I, I want us to be grateful. I want us to realize that you know, God has given us the, the, the most awesome choice of all, you know, whether we want to follow him today whether we want to follow him tomorrow and the, all the days uh, that he gives us. Let's take it while we can. Let's come to God in prayer. Let's uh, reflect on maybe the year, reflect on this message, reflect on, on whether you're pressing on faithfully or not.